All right, we're good to go. We're on. I think we figured out last Sunday how to run this this uh, headset so it won't cut out on everybody. All right, we got a couple little announcements this morning. I want to read this to you real fast. This is a thank you card from um, Bobby and Heidi Powell. A few, about a month or so back, the church uh, uh, sponsored a couple for the, uh, the uh, couple's retreat. Uh, and this is a thank you card from it. It says, thank you so much for your generous donation to sponsor us for the retreat. It was very much needed and appreciated. Your kindness did not go unnoticed. Please keep us in your thoughts and prayers, Bobby and Heidi Powell. And uh, this is, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you out of Romans 1.8. We'll hang this up out there, but we do appreciate the church uh, sponsoring a couple. Y'all probably thought it was me and Maria, but it wasn't. Ours was taken care of. Um, but that was from uh, the Powells, and they did. They were last minute, actually. They, uh, I got a call at 1 o'clock, said Paul Buchanan couldn't be there. And at 1.30, uh, Bobby and uh, Heidi said they would take their place. So... Uh, it worked out really well, so it was good to have them there. And then, uh, if you will, uh, try to remember my nephew, Cody. He went in Friday for surgery. Um, if you if y'all know my nephew, Cody, much, he, he's got cerebral palsy and a, and a bunch of other things going on with him. He's, uh, he's eight, and uh, he's just got a lot, lot of medical problems. So they took him down. It was planned surgery Friday. He went down to UNC, uh, UNC Chapel Hill to have what's called a baclofen pump installed. And it goes in under, they kind of pretty much cut him open under his rib cage and they installed this pump that ties into his spinal column. And it, uh, it releases a medicine um, to relax his muscles. Uh, and it, everything went fairly well, but he had a hard time yesterday. He didn't at all. The medicine is not working all that well. He's, uh, they gave him some Oxycontin yesterday and it, it kind of messed him up a little bit, um, and he's he's not doing he's doing okay, but not the way they thought he was going to be doing, or should be doing because they just want to release him today. But he's not coming home today. Uh, my sister just tell me everything this morning, so just remember Cody as uh, he tries to get over this one of many surgeries that he's been through. And then there was uh, a lady she may be listening this morning. Her name is Rebecca. It's somebody from Holden Beach that your family got in on the Facebook page. Anyway, we were uh, talking a little bit. She's got some uh, family issues going on. We were talking, and then I lost her through Messenger, and I can't find her anymore, so I can't follow up with her, but she just asked for prayer. So, Rebecca, if you're listening, we're praying for you, and I'll try to get back with you somehow, but our our whole string of communication has been lost, so I, I don't know how to follow up with her. I'll try to figure that out later. Uh, so just remember uh, Rebecca and that family. Do we have any others? Uh, Judy? How's she doing? Okay. All right, y'all remember Carolyn, yet another in that family that's got some medical problems. How's Louise doing? Pretty good. Okay. So she dropped her baby bottles off. <laughs> she got them. All right, well, good. So she had a, a broken nose and a fractured kneecap. And was that all? Frida? Okay. <laughs> she was, she's thinking, too. All right, so we got got a lot going on. And uh, it is it is fall, and I guess y'all are here, you know, the whole COVID thing starting to ramp back up again. So y'all continue just to, to be safe and use caution and wash your hands and do all that stuff. Don't go to Walmart. I mean, that, that solves a lot. 
problems and don't enroll in ASU. And then there's your, I think that would be the key to <laughs> preventing COVID college. Um, no, not really. Uh, we're going to be over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And uh, we're going to touch on a subject that, um, that w- I've probably preached on it uh, several times this year because it's so relevant to us this year and it's on encouragement and discouragement. And um, I will say this, I just seen this. Um, we got a couple of these, we got a few more of these for the families. We're trying to do one per family. The uh, Avery, it's called the Avery Baptist Connection. They're doing it this quarterly. Uh, so I'll, I'll get y'all one. We got some up here, um, and they, they handed it out Monday night at the the fall meeting, and it's pretty good. Little uh, little bit of information in there. Yours truly is the centerfold. Literally, I'm right in the middle. <laughs> they put me right in there, and it's an article. Not just it's not about me. It's about Chestnut Dale. So it's it's pretty good. So you guys uh, get you one if you didn't have it. And what are you laughing at? Over there? <laughs> Mike perked up when I said it. So we'll uh, we'll. We'll get you guys a copy if you don't already have one. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So today, we're going to look at, at discouragement and encouragement. And if you look around this world right now that we live in, uh, it is slap full of discouragement. It doesn't matter where you look. It doesn't matter what news channel you turn on or what you look at on the internet. Uh, it's going to be incur- or discouraging. And it's, it's kind of hard to find much encouragement out there anymore. Um, but we're trying, and we're we're trying really hard, and the, not just uh, not just the churches, but you know, in life in general, we're trying to find something out there that we can hang on to, to put a smile on our face, because we ain't been smiling a lot here lately. So we're trying to find things, we're grasping at things to to help us um, try to ease the pain of the discouragement that that's out there. Uh, the definition, I don't know if y'all have ever looked at the definition of discouragement, but it means having lost confidence or enthusiasm disheartened disheartened that's kind of the theme word i think for the church god's right now is disheartened we're seeing too much going on there's too much in this world that's full of sin there's too much in this world right now that's against the church that's not for god and it disheartens us it kind of almost makes us feel like we're not doing our job as christians to be an encouragement to one another and we're not being good stewards of what god has given us which is the 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 peace and the love and the joy all the fruits that he has given us that we should be sharing with everybody else and we're not being the good stewards of that. And so it can be disheartening. It can be discouraging. And it, like the definition said, lost of co- loss of confidence or enthusiasm. We, can, we, we get like that a lot right now. And it was over the years, yes, we've been a little discouraged, but not like we have now. But you think about all the things that we hear and we see right now that's going on around us. I mean, all the way around us. If you look at uh, just look at the the, uh, the the kids. You know, we still see kids dropping out of school, which is very discouraging for a parent. We see the divorce rate, if you look at it, 10 years ago was around 30-ish percent. Last year, it was up around close to 40-ish percent. So, you know, the, the divorce rate is not any better, and that's in first-time weddings, first-time marriages, uh, which means here in America that for once the preachers are, <laughs> well, let me, let me back up. I want to get my facts straight before I tell you this because it has to do with preachers and lawyers. So in America, we still have more marriages than divorces, which is good, and that means that preachers are still out talking lawyers. All right, so that's a good thing. We're still out doing them. 
but it's still not good enough because it's still an it's still a factor. Divorce is still a factor. It's one of these things that I, I put my foot in my mouth a couple. I do it often, but a few weeks ago, um, I was talking to a guy that owns a um, a wedding venue out in Boone, and we were talking. And I, I kept staring at him. I said, "I know who he is. I know him. I can't place him." But it had been probably 20 years since I'd seen him, and we got to talking about weddings and how uh, how the barns seem to be the new wedding venue around here and, and we just got to talking and then we got talking about weddings in general and I had said that you know kids nowadays don't think of it like they used to where you know it's 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 a one and done you get married you stay married and it's now as well if you ain't happy just get a divorce and try find you another one and then finally dawned on me who it was and he'd been married three times and so <laughs> but he, he agreed with me but it's one of those things that we don't take serious anymore. Uh, marriage, it's not as sacred as it used to be. Now it's just something that you do. It is a sacred bond. I mean, it's something that we need to be taking extremely serious. You know, like I said, kids are dropping out churches. Here's one of the things that got me when I was studying this week. Churches, and I had to go through and do some little research through the, the Baptist convention. But just Baptists in general, they're baptizing less and less people into the church than ever ever before our numbers continue to decrease throughout the years we're not seeing an increase in baptisms we're not seeing which means we're not seeing an increase in salvation which also means we're not seeing an increase in church growth so we're not seeing and it folks it ain't just these little country churches here in avery county this is across the u.s we're not seeing an increase. We're not seeing church growth anywhere. And all the pastors are in the same boat. The churches are in the same boat. We're trying, but our hands are tied this year especially. And it's discouraging. You know, preachers ain't preaching much anymore. We can't. Choirs ain't singing much anymore. They can't. Altars ain't being gathered around anymore because we can't. Fellowship ain't taking place in our congregations anymore because we can't. There's a, everybody's scared. We can't, we can't get together anymore, and it is going to kill the church. It's going to kill and discourage our churches. And it is, it's extremely discouraging. It's very discouraging to, be, to, to stand here and to look out, not here at this church, but just to look out in general and see the decline in our churches, in our sister churches. Not, I mean, it, yeah, it hurts my heart. And when, 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 you, when you church members, when they're not here, and you know they're not here because even though we're spread out like a week to Washington right now, I still know where you sit. And when I don't see you, it, it hurts. It's just discouraging sometimes. And it ain't just me. You can talk to any pastor, and it breaks their heart. People are not as enthusiastic. They don't want to be at church anymore. They finally got a way out. I don't have to go to church because it's COVID. I don't have to be a part of it anymore. I'll just sit at home. And oh, I'm glad you're watching it somewhere, but it can be extremely discouraging. Those facts are discouraging. When you see the divorce rate, when you see the school dropout rate, when you see the, all, the, the, the uh, less and less baptism, it's, it's discouraging for the Christian. It's discouraging for the church. We want to see growth. We want to see marriages stay together. We want to see kids go finish their high school, go on into college. We want to see that. That's encouraging. So when we do that on, on, you know, in May, when we recognize our, our graduates, that's encouraging for me. That's encouraging for the church. That means they have completed their education, whether it be middle school or high school or college. That's encouraging to know that we still have kids 
going on and getting a further education and completing that education. Now, what I want to look at this morning is something that Paul wrote. In Paul's day, it probably would have been easy, if not easier, to be discouraged. If you think about what Paul was having to go through, and you think about his jail time, and you think about his prison time, and you think about his beatings, and you think about um, all the things that he went through, the persecution that he went through for Jesus, yeah, it was discouraging, and it wasn't just Paul. You look at the Church of Corinth, you look at Thessalonica, you look at the, the Thessalonians that we're going to read about here in just a second, you, you look back on these churches and their persecution and it was extremely discouraging for what they were going through and what we're going to look at this morning it, it's a, it's a time we're going to be looking at second thessalonians but you you kind of squeak in between first and second thessalonians and there was something that happened that because uh, paul wrote this when he was in corinth and there was something that happened in between the two letters that discouraged the church and discouraged paul paul wrote them a letter and told them uh, some great things in First Thessalonians. I'm not going to go through it. You can read it. It's pretty short. But in between this, the first and the second letter, someone, someone either misinterpreted Paul's first letter and said, Jesus done came, you missed the rapture. Somebody may have wrote that, or they misinterpreted what Paul wrote in the first letter. So they were discouraged. You have this church that was discouraged, thinking, I missed the rapture. What did we do wrong? We sold off everything that we have. We sold off our land. We sold off our, 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 our livestock. We gave away stuff just to get rid of it. And we went and we sat on top of a mountain waiting for Jesus to return. And he, he ain't showed up yet, but yet you're telling me he's already been here? That's discouraging. They missed the boat. That's what they're, they're thinking, so they're discouraged. And Paul's going in here to the second uh, to write this letter to Second Thessalonians. He's writing this letter to encourage them, say, "Hey, you ain't missed nothing. <laughs> I'm still here on earth, so I know that the rapture ain't taking place." But he's trying to be an encouragement to this church, and we need these kinds of letters to our churches right now. I know that you will find encouragement in today's message. It is short. What I'm preaching is short, but it's short for a reason. It gives you time to reflect. I don't want to pack a bunch of stuff in here because you'll lose it. I've give you, I already give you, if you don't want to hear it, I've already given you something to read. So if you don't want to hear what i got to say this morning, just flip open your courtly there and you can, you can do something else. If you've got your Bibles over to 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, stand with me just a moment. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to read the entire chapter. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one. And remember, charity is love right there. Love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure which is a manifest token of the righteousness judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer seeing it is a righteousness thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance of, on them that know not God, 
and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be uh, punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Morris, would you open us up in prayer this morning? First thing we're going to look at this morning is we can find encouragement in praise. We can find encouragement in praise. I like praise. I love praise. Not praising one another, but praising him. There's encouragement in that, especially when he's done something for you, and you praise him, and you thank him for what he's done for you. Encouragement's a lot like peanut butter sandwich, if you think about it. You know, the thicker you spread it on there, the more sticks to it. That's what praise is. The thicker you spread it on, the more that sticks to it. So the thicker the church spreads the praise on to God, the more that sticks to it. The more that we're going to get involved, the more people that are going to stick to it, the more people that will be able to get together and praise Him. And there ain't nothing better than, than a house full or a church full of people praising God. And it's just like that peanut butter sandwich. It's just more people coming in and sticking together. So we can find encouragement right there in that praise. Now, if you go back over to verse uh, 1, it says, and let's talk, talk about Paul, Silas, and Timothy here. And to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Now right here, one of the hardest things for us to do uh, when things are not going good in life is praise God. Back in March, was you praising God very much? Probably not. Back in April, was you praising God very, very much? No, probably not. When you lost a loved one, did you praise God? Probably not. When you got sick, did you praise God? Probably not. That's the hardest thing for a Christian to do in this life is to praise God when we're going through a storm. We can't do it. Why? Why can't we? He's there with us. When we go through a, a tribulation, we go through a storm in our life, he's, he's wanting us to praise us. He's making us stronger. The fact that he did not leave us through that storm is praise enough because he stuck it out with us. So through this discouragement, whatever it is in your life, we need to find praise and we need to be encouraged knowing that he's there with us. But it's hard to thank him in the hard times. 
when you, when you can't find enough money to scrape up to get a gallon of milk or to provide for your family, pay your power bill, whatever it might be. It's hard to praise God whenever you're in hard times. That's not normal. It's not normal to thank somebody when you're suffering, is it? No. It ain't normal. How many times did your parents whoop your tail and you turned around and thanked them and shook their hands and said, thank you for the beating? You don't do that. Looking back, I'm very thankful for what I got, but not at the time that I was getting that switch. I didn't like it. We don't thank people through the hard times, through the, the, the pain that we go through. But when we come out of it, we can turn around and thank him. But he's telling us, Paul's telling us that we need to thank him through the pain, through the suffering that we're going through. But that is hard for us because it's not normal. Back during World War II, when uh, the enemy was attacking northern Africa, this is a true story, when the enemy was attacking northern Africa, the missionaries had to flee. They had to get out of northern Africa because they were going to get killed. They didn't want to leave because of the churches. These missionaries had worked their entire lives to build the churches up in northern Africa because it's you know mostly Muslim and, or, or just godless in general. But they had worked their tails off to get these churches built. They didn't want to leave, but they had to for their safety. They had to. They was worried that the churches would fold and shut down. But they left anyway because of their safety. But when the war ended and the missionaries got back, they discovered a strong, thriving church. All these churches, they, the missionaries didn't have to be there the whole time for the church to be strong and to thrive. It grew and got stronger through the persecution, through the war. The suffering of war, I want you to listen to this, the suffering of war purified the church and helped strengthen the faith of the true believers. War purified their strength. Disease will purify our strength. What we're going through right now needs to make us stronger. It's going to purify. Remember I talked about it last night, about, or last, night, last Sunday. I don't know, did I talk about it yesterday? I don't know, about being purified. We, what, what did we do with gold? What did they do with gold to purify it? They put it through the heat. They put it through heat, through fire. It is tested, and it is purified. It gets all the imperfections out of it when it's heated. We're the same way. We're purified through this disease, through these wars, through these trials, through all that we're going through in our lives. It is purifying us. It's getting all the imperfections out. It's getting the sin out of us. It's getting our old habits out of us. It's getting the old man out of us. It's burning away the old so that it's nothing but pure. And we can praise and we can worship when we're that pure. Paul said, In the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, we're going to endure. We're going to go through these. And again, he's talking about persecutions and tribulations. Those are pretty discouraging right there. When, you go, when you're persecuted to a point where you just don't want to go to church anymore, when you're persecuted and you go through tribulations, you don't want to be around God's people anymore because it hurts. It hurts your feelings. You don't want to, you're afraid if I go on back to church, then it's going to get worse. Probably is, but it's okay. At least you're with his people. At least you're with God's people. You're with your brothers. You're with your sisters. And you can worship together and you can fellowship together. You can praise together. Now, this church, the, the Thess Thessalonians here, that Paul's writing to, that we just read about, they distinguished themselves from other believers in how they responded and handled persecution. The church of Jesus Christ right now, God's church, we need to distinguish ourselves 
as a strong church. We need to distinguish ourselves from the other churches. Not, I'm not talking about Avery County. I'm just talking about in general. We need to distinguish ourselves from the other churches, from the Methodists, from the Lutherans, from the Episcopalians, from the Catholics. We, God's church, Baptists, we need to distinguish ourselves from all the others. And we need to show the world how strong we really are. Don't let discouragement tear you down. Don't let it destroy the church. Don't let it destroy you. We need to find the goodness in this discouragement that we're going through right now. We need to find the goodness through this time that we're living in and find, find peace and know that he's in control. Know that he has this whole thing in his hand. He has it and he's got a perfect plan for us. We can be encouraged in tough times. Oh. In tough times by praising God in the midst of the trial. Number two, number two, we can find encouragement in God's promises. I'm going to read a little bit more for you over here. We're going to be over in verse 5. It says, Which is a manifest token of righteousness, judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing that, uh, with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to to be glorified in his saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now, God's promises. God's made us a lot of promises. Lots of promises. And I talk about it often. He's never broke one. Not one promise. Has he ever broken? If he said it, he's going to do it. And I, I was doing a little bit of research on this, and there's roughly, there's a little over, 8,800 promises made in, in the King James Version Bible. There's over 8,800 documented promises in our Bible. And there's over 7,487 7, promises from God to mankind. That's a lot of promises, ain't it? And <laughs> He's never broke one. 7,487 promises from God to mankind. That is to us. I will be with you. I will protect you. I will be your strength. I will answer you. I will provide for you. I will give you peace. I will always love you. Folks, that's just seven. That's just seven of them. There's still 7,480 more to go. And probably a whole lot more than that. I can't imagine being the nerd that went through that and had to count all those promises. Somebody did it. That's a lot of promises. That's, that's encouraging to me. It's encouraging to me to read the Word of God, number one, to know that He loves me enough to make a promise. Number two, that He loves me enough not to break that promise. That's encouraging. To know that my God, who shall supply all my needs, loves me enough to keep every single promise. I tell you what's encouraging is the fact that there's a promise He's made us that it just ain't been fulfilled yet. And that's for us to go home through the rapture, hopefully through the rapture or the grave. Either way, we're going home. But that, that promise he made to send his son, to take his bride home, to take his church home, the only one that he ain't fulfilled yet, but it's coming. 
it's coming, and it's hopefully sometime soon it's coming. That's encouraging, though. Those, those promises he made, so no matter how difficult the situation is that, that, that these Thessalonians were going through, Paul reminds them of their secure future. We have a secure future. As a Christian, our future is secure. Now, when I say our future, I'm not talking about tomorrow because we're not promised tomorrow, but the future of a home in heaven, that's what is that's what's secure. That future is secure. Knowing that because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, because we've made our, him our personal Lord and Savior, because he's in our heart, because we live for him and he died for us, because of that, our future is secure. So, which means we have a home in heaven. We have a mansion in heaven. We have a room built just for us in heaven. So Paul's trying to encourage this church, hey, no matter what you go through, no matter how discouraged you might be, your home is secure. Your place in heaven is secure. You are God's. All right? You belong to him. And he, you are safe in his, his arms. You are safe in the palm of his hand. So you are secure. Find encouragement in that. So this, this is what really gripes me about some of these people that, that believe in losing your salvation, falling from grace. That's not encouraging, is it? I could not go through my life believing that I have to work my way through salvation daily. That's not encouraging. That's discouraging. What's encouraging to me was on October 26, 1997, when I got saved, what's encouraging is the fact that I don't have to do it again. It's over with. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm secure. And so whenever, if he calls me home by the grave or by the rapture, I don't know. But one way or the other, I'm secure. I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to my mansion that he's prepared for me. Not made by hands. That's where I'm going. Paul's trying to encourage them. I'm trying to encourage you. You have a secure future if you trusted Jesus. As your Lord and Savior, you have a secure future. That, that is encouraging. That's encouraging to me. Not only that, but the way we act in times of trial proves to others that God is at work. When we get discouraged and we take our discouragement out in public and people see just how bleh, we are, people get discouraged as well. Why would anybody want to have a relationship with Jesus if you're constantly depressed, if you're constantly down and out, if you're constantly negative? That's not encouraging to anybody else. What's encouraging to others is when you just lost your job, but you've got a smile on your face knowing that God's going to provide for you. What's encouraging is when you just lost a loved one, and you can sit at that funeral, and you can smile knowing that that person has gone to heaven and you ain't far behind them. That's encouraging to others. That's what he wants. He wants us to be an encouragement to others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In all thy ways acknowledge him. It's encouraging. Now what Paul is saying right here to these Thessalonians, I'm going to paraphrase this for you, because it makes it, made it a whole lot more simple for me whenever I paraphrased it for myself. I know you're going through some fiery trials, but remember God's promise of the return of Christ. Remember that promise. Oh, man. What a, what a promise. Remember the promise. God's, not just a promise, God's promise. 
that he is going to send his son back. So he's trying, to, he's trying to clear up some miscommunication between the first and the second letter. He's trying to clear up the fact that Jesus ain't come back yet. He's trying to clear up the fact that you wait, didn't really waste your time, but you should not have sold off your goods. You shouldn't have moved up to the mountaintop and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs waiting on Jesus. And now you wasted your time because he ain't come back. He's trying to clear all this up. And he's trying to tell him right here, that God made a promise of the return of Jesus. And he's telling them, he says, remember those unbelievers. They will be paid in full by the wrath of God when he does return. Those unbelievers are going to face the wrath of God. Mm-mm. Whew. Can you imagine what they're going to go through? All they've got to do, soften their heart, admit they are sinners, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess to him all their sins, and they're saved. But yet they won't do it. They won't do it. So they are going to have to experience the wrath of God. And once they experience the wrath of God, whew, man, they're going to, that's eternity in hell. That's eternity in hell. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why? Why would you want that? Why would anybody want that when it's so simple? When it's so simple to love Jesus and to have Jesus in your heart. And Paul keeps going right here and he said, He will punish those who do not know him and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not only can we find encouragement and praise, which we just talked about, and we just talked about finding encouragement and promises, which is very encouraging for us, all those promises he's made us, but we can find encouragement in prayer. That's number three. Encouragement and prayer. I like prayer. I probably don't pray enough. And I'm, I'm a weird prayer. I like to pray alone. I'm, I, I, like, I do. I just like to, I like to be by myself, and I like to talk to God. I, I've got, I, I mean, my prayer life gets stronger right around September. I don't know about yours, Mike. Sitting up in that tree stand. <laughs> just me and God, whether I kill anything or not. It's just, it's just my time with Him. I like to be alone with God. I like my Sunday mornings. I've got, I've got this little time after I get out of the shower and get cleaned up, put my monkey suit on, I go out to my study, and I sit for about 30 or 45 minutes. They don't bother me. They get themselves ready, and I sit in my study, and it's me and God before church. I like that. I love it. That's my prayer time. That's my time with him. That's encouraging. My time with him is encouraging. Look back over at verse 11 again. It says, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul prayed for his converts. Paul prayed for the Christians. Paul prayed for the church. Paul prayed. That's what you need to understand is Paul prayed. When you're not at the church, pray for the church. When you're in the church, pray for the church. No matter where you're at, pray. Pray for this church. Pray for the other churches. Pray for his church. But pray. Pray for those that you know that are saved. Pray for those brothers and sisters. That's what he's saying. I love it. He says, wherefore also we pray always for you. For you. He's very specific right there. You. He wrote this letter 
to, to uh, Thessalonians. And when they open it up and they read the greetings, I love Paul's greetings. If you ever go through and look at all of Paul's writings and look at the way that he opens up every one of his letters, I love his greetings. But he opens it up and he says, Paul and Silas and Timothy and to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves them. Boy, does he love them. He loves this church. He loves all these church plants that he's been a part of. He loves them. And he writes to them and he says, I love you. But he says, I pray for you. And if you've ever been away from your church for any amount of time, and tr- trust me, I've been away from church a long time. I- I've spent a lot of times in other countries, pastoring both here and Beach Valley. And I've spent some Sundays away. And that's, the- that's one of the hardest things for me. I cannot stand to be away from the church. But I find it, for some reason, it's a lot easier for me to pray for y'all when I'm not here. I- it's discouraging not to be here sometimes. But my heart's here. And so I, I pray for y'all. You might not even know it, but I pray for the church when I'm not here, when I can't be a part of it. Paul wants us to do that. Paul said, pray for your church. Pray for the church. Pray for your home church. That's something that I still do. I'm, my home church is Will Valley Baptist Church. I've got a pastor there that's getting up in age. I got my family goes there. I love that church. I love the members of that church. Yes, I pray for this church. This is the church that God has sent us to to pastor. But I still pray for my home church. And I've got I've got brothers in Christ that stand behind their pulpit on Sundays and they preach. I pray for those churches. There's there's a lot that we need to be praying for. We number one, we need to be praying for salvation. There's people in these churches still that need salvation. We've got to pray for that. Paul wants us to pray for that. There's people in these churches that are struggling with life in general, with relationships, with whatever, finances, jobs, whatever. We don't know what it is. Paul says pray anyway. Pray for them. He says, I pr-, look again, he says, wherefore also we pray always for you. You know what? Paul didn't know what exactly was going on in that church with all these different members. But he still prayed for him. I don't know what goes on with a lot of y'all. There's a lot goes on personally with y'all that's between you and God. But yet, I'm encouraged to be able to pray for y'all and just say it's an unspoken prayer. I don't know what's going on with that, with a lot of what the messages I get on Facebook. Lord, I get them like crazy. I don't know what goes on with a lot of these people, but God does. And so I can just say, God, do your thing. Lord, be with them. Lord, be an encouragement to them. Give them some peace. Guide them. Do something with them. But Lord, be with them. Paul wants us to pray for one another. Wherefore also we pray always for you. For you. That's big right there. Paul prayed for those converts. Now, if you look there in verse 11, he says, wherefore. That means because of all that I have told you or done for you because of all that I have just said. The return of Jesus, he says, the return of Jesus right here is going to be glorified in his saints, and he's going to judge the lost. Again, we're going back to that secure future. That's encouraging, knowing the future hope of glory. It motivated Paul to pray. 
That's motivation to pray to the believers and for the believers to endure to the end. And that's what he told us, to endure to the end. Hang in there to the very end, to the bitter end. Just hang in there. Paul says over in Romans 5, he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. <laughs> now listen to this. And patience experience, and experience hope. Paul's a mighty fine writer. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Blessed hope. Not just hope, but blessed hope. When we're, when we're plugged into heaven, you ever been plugged into heaven? I mean, really just plugged into heaven. When we plug into heaven, we can receive the power of heaven. We're going, we're going to receive that, that Holy Spirit. That, we're going to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's going to energize us, and it's going to get us through these hardships. We're going to be able to endure these hardships that we're going through in life and through trials and through sickness and tribulations and all that we're going through. If we're plugged in to heaven, if we're plugged in spiritually through our prayer life, we can endure. You guys ever seen one of the, I hate these things. You ever seen one of those switched outlets? I, we ain't got one. Lord, please tell me we ain't got any in here. I hate them things. I despise them. Hate that. Paisley fusses at me. Hates a strong word. I despise switched outlets. A switched outlet would be, if this outlet right here, if you plug something into it and it don't come on, that means there's a switch back there in the back that you got to flip up to put power on it. I cannot stand them things. I don't know who invented that or whose idea it was, but I'd like to dig them up and kill them again. Same with whoever invented the straight screwdriver. I'd like to dig him up too. <laughs> Powered outlets. Whatever you plug into that outlet, it don't turn on until you flip the switch. That's the same with our spiritual life. We're not going to receive the power from the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get the power from heaven if we don't have our prayer life switched on. we got to have power in our prayer life. We've got to flip the switch on our prayer life to receive what heaven's got for us, to receive what the Holy Spirit can give us. We've got to pray, though. If you don't flip the switch, you ain't getting nothing. I'm serious. You plug something into an outlet, and if that switch is off, you ain't going to run that vacuum cleaner or hair dryer or whatever you got into it. You've got to flip the switch to get the power. Flip your prayer life on, and you're going to receive some power. Flip your, power, your prayer life on, and you're going to feel a, a movement of the Holy Spirit that you ain't never felt before. We're lacking in that. Christians are lacking in that power right now because we've, we've forgot where the switch was. We've left the switch turned off and we forgot where it was at. A lot of churches probably put a little blank cover over it. They don't even know where it's at anymore. They, they've flipped the breaker off. We need that power. We've got to have that power. When you get that power, you can live your life day to day, victoriously, because you have, you're receiving the Holy Spirit. You're receiving that power to get you through whatever you're going through. If you ain't ever experienced it, you better be flipping some switches up, flip them on, because it's, a, it's, a, it's something else. We can be encouraged through our prayer. You may be discouraged this morning, I don't know. You might be sitting here this morning, you might be online this morning, and you might be discouraged, and it's okay. It's all right. Everybody gets there. Everybody's going to be there at some point in your life. You're going to be discouraged. You need to get plugged back in. You've got to get plugged back into heaven to the power of God through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Get plugged back in. 
and then flip your switch on and see what happens. I was reading, I've got this neat little book I was reading. And somebody wrote in there, it said, The church is not a gallery where we exhibit the finest Christians. It is a school where we educate and encourage imperfect Christians. I thought, well, that's pretty neat. The church is not a gallery where we exhibit the finest of Christians. It is a school where we educate and encourage imperfect Christians. I'm imperfect. Always will be. Blind in one eye, hair's thinning out, beard's turning gray, starting to look like BJ. That's just, that's discouraging. <laughs> I'm imperfect. But the way they wrote that is, it's a school where we educate and encourage imperfect Christians. That's what the church is for, to educate and encourage one another. There is no perfect Christian. I used to work for Robert Moore. I love, I love that man. He's still alive. We used to build houses together. I, I told you all this before, I know, but I, we'd always pick on him. We'd say, Robert, you're perfect. Because he did, he, when he built, he was, he done things to AT. He's the man that told me to do your best work in the bathroom and always make your joints meet behind the toilet. Because <laughs> you're not going to see him if you're sitting down. But anyway, he, he, we'd always pick on about being perfect. And he'd walk straight up to you and say, you see any scars in these hands? Every time. Because we're imperfect Christians. There is no perfect Christian. There's one perfect man. And that's who we're to try to be like. But we're all imperfect and so we need to be encouraged. We need to be encouraged by one another and educate one another to, to do better and to be encouraged through the word, through prayer, through praise, through promises. We can find encouragement in those, in those three Ps. I didn't think about it, those three Ps. We can find encouragement in that. We need to get plugged in, get educated, and be encouraged in all that we do. I'm going to read that one more time. Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. With power. Church, get plugged in and flip your switch on. My preacher Ray says, pin your ears back and hold on. When you, get, when you get plugged in and turned on, pin your ears back and hold on. Something good's going to happen. If you're missing it, if you ain't experienced that, that rush of the Holy Spirit, you need to flip your switch on and see what happens. Stand up. We're going we're gonna to close out. I'm going to read this one, too. I, this right here, this is good stuff right here. It's encouraging. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth love abounds love abounds charity i love charity i love the love that we're to give one another that's encouraging love one another be an encouragement they got a call